Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Yeah, I'm going to transition into talking about Jesus for a little bit. Um, and before I do, uh, I want to pray with you. And I know that every time we gather, the Word of God says that where two or three of us are gathered in his name, that he's here in our midst. And I believe that. Like at the very core of my being, I don't take coming to church as the good Christian thing to do on a Sunday morning. Um, I frequently try to uh, remind you that this is the Lord's house, um, and this is not just a building. This is the, the, the temple of God. And so when we gather, we are here in his presence. And when we gather in his name, that he shows up and he's here with us. And I also know that whenever somebody in the Gospels said, I need to encounter Jesus, uh, my life is broken and busted, and I need this guy to do what I'm hearing he's doing for other people, and I need him to do it in my life. I need him to do something in my marriage. I need him to work in my body. I need him to work in my finances. I need him to work in my heart, in my emotions, in my mind. I know that every time I look in the accounts of Jesus when he was here, any time that somebody came to him with that expectation, he met that expectation and he met them where they were at and their lives were transformed and changed. So I say all that to say, I want to pray with us this morning before we jump into the Word of God. And if you, yourself, not the good Christian version of yourself, like where you you look around to see who else raises their hands, but I'm talking about you right now. And if, if you're saying, you know, I need an encounter with Jesus this morning. I desperately want to hear his voice. I desperately want to, when we look in the word of God, have it find a home in my heart and it penetrates all of my defenses and it bypasses my mind and my thoughts and all of my arguments and it just gets right to the very core of who I am. If that's what you're saying, I want you to stand up with me and we're gonna pray together as we move into this. Because I believe that God hears our prayers And I believe that if you are sincere and you're saying, I want more of Jesus, then he says to you today, I want you to have all of me that you want and more. Father, you see every person who is standing here that is saying they desire all that you have for them today. Our heart's cry is that you penetrate our defenses, that you break down the lies and the arguments of the enemy, And Father, we desire to hear your voice today in a new way. That as we sit and look into your word, that we are transformed and changed and that you are revealing things to us that we have never heard or thought of before. Father, we thank you for your spirit, which is the spirit of truth and always points to you. And we thank you that you continue to minister life, you continue to minister hope, and you continue to do a work that only you can do in our hearts and lives. Jesus, we are expecting you today. Say this with me today. I'm expecting you to speak, to move, and to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and sit down. Okay, now you can start that timer. 
That was all, that was all bonus material. If this was a DVD, this was, that was the bonus content. Who even knows what a DVD is anymore? <laughs> We're in that weird phase of, of life right now where, where like, does, like, does anybody like brought you a DVD and like, oh, I brought this for you. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't have anything that I can play this on anymore. Like my computer, I don't have, it, I don't have a DVD player. Just a weird time to be alive, isn't it? Open your Bibles with me, and we are gonna, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, for those of you, who was here at the 11 o'clock service last week? Okay. Well, I told you we were going to have a guest speaker today, and uh, I did not lie to you. <laughs> I did not make a joke and like, surprise, I'm the guest speaker. Uh, we, we, we were supposed to have a guest speaker today, but last Monday he sent a message. He, he was the, he's the president of our organization that we're associated with. Um, if you come to Hope City Church, you know that we're a non-denominational church, and that's just a big fancy word of saying that we're not associated with any one denomination. We're not part of the Alliance denomination. We're not part of a Baptist denomination. We're not part of the Pentecostal, the, the PAOC or the ACOP. We're not part of those denominations. Uh, we're non-denominational, and so since we're non-denominational, that means that we have to be associated with an affiliation or an organization that we work with. And so the president of our organization was going to be here this Sunday and speaking to all of you. But Monday, he texted me and Pastor Jen and said, guys, I'm so sorry. Uh, I can't come to be with you this week. I have broken my heel. He broke his heel. And he lives in Ontario. And so the doctor said that he can't fly because they were afraid of blood clots if he got on the airplane. Um, let me tell you how he broke his heel because I was like, how do you break a heel? Like, that's a weird thing to do. This guy is, I think he's in his 70s. He's, he's the same age as my dad, who you will all get to hear speak in a couple weeks again. My parents are going to be out with us soon. Um, but he's the same age as my parents. And, and uh, he is a short Italian man. And he's not like Italian by by heritage and descent, like, you know, you'd be like, oh, I'm Irish, I'm Italian, I had this in my family. This guy is actually Italian, like, he grew up in Detroit, and he has, um, he has family members that he grew up with. Do you know what I mean when I say family, quotes? Yeah, he actually has, like, family uh, in Detroit, and so he's, like, hardcore Italian, um, and so he's very passionate, like all Italians are. He's very, like, uh, vivacious and, like, loud and, and just, like, a great guy. And so what happened was he was uh, preaching somewhere, giving an altar call, and he got so excited during his altar call that he jumped off the stage and broke his heel when he landed. But he was so passionate about it. Listen to this. He continued for another 10 minutes giving his altar call so that people could bring their lives to Jesus. And then when he was done, he's like, I've broken my, my foot. I need to go see a doctor. Um, so he'll come one day and you'll get to hear him. But today you have me and we're going to continue. We're going to continue um, kind, of, kind of with the theme that we had last, last Sunday. Last Sunday we talked about keeping our eyes on the ball. And as I was beginning to think about this Sunday, I began to think about the, the follow-up. You know, um, each service last week was a little different. And I'm not 
they kind of blur together, and I'm not sure what I said in, in which service, and I'm not sure. There was, there was a bunch that happened in both services last week. There was some words of knowledge and some, some kind of prophecy a little bit and, and praying for people, and so I'm not sure what I said when and where, and so if I repeat myself, uh, forgive me, just give me like a bit of leeway on it. But the general crux of last week was that I felt we were living in a supernatural age of distraction. If you, if you were not here last Sunday, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the message or watch it. Uh, but we are living in a supernatural age of distraction, and I felt like the Spirit of God, what he was trying to say last week was he was calling many of us back to keeping our eyes on the ball. The ball being Jesus and his plans, his purposes, his kingdom, his dominion, his rulership, that our lives are, while they are focused on things that we have to do because we're alive and we have families and we have jobs and we have education and we have all those kind of things, while we have to do those things, that we turn our eyes back to him and keep our eyes on the, the weightier things and the bigger things that will last forever because all of this is going to pass away one day, all the problems you face here, all the things you walk through, everything you have to worry about, paying your hydro bill and terracing and going to the grocery store, all those things one day will be gone, but there are things that will last forever. And so the call and the, the prompting of the Spirit last week was to keep our eye on those things, keep our eye on the ball. And I ended one of the services with um, uh, kind of a word about how many of us had felt, or some of us in the room had felt disqualified uh, by our past or by things that we were living in or things that we were doing, our mindsets, and that God was saying to us to lace our shoes back up, to get in the game, uh, to get off the bench, uh, to put our gloves on, to warm up our throwing arm, to get ready to get back in the game. And so I wanted to continue on today from, you know, Getting, one of the phrases I used right when we were ending up was that I felt like God was calling us to the big leagues. I don't know which service that was in, but God was calling many of us back, that many of us have been playing in the minor leagues because we had disqualified ourselves in our minds and hearts, but God was saying, I have more for you, and I'm calling you back to the place that I've called and designed you to be. Now, what I want to talk about today for a few minutes is what I'm calling training day, and you know, we're going to continue to run with the analogy of baseball just because it fits together and it'll work. And so, as you know, in any professional sports, there is the on-season and the off-season, right? The on-season is when they're playing and the athlete's whole life is consumed with being a professional athlete. Brian, am I right? Brian used to play in the CFL, so he understands professional athletes. And so when you're in the season, your whole world is consumed with playing the game. You eat right, you exercise right, you get enough sleep, you think about the plays, you think about the people you're playing against, you think about the whole everything. Your whole world is the game. But then in the off season, if you're not careful, then sometimes the mindset can turn to like, it's holiday season and I can go eat what I want. I don't have to exercise anymore. I can get as fat as I want because when training day comes, then I gotta go back to work and I gotta work these things off. <laughs> Brian, Brian's like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> 
But that is, that is the mindset. And that's the mindset of many Christians where we take our foot off the gas and we kind of say, you know, I'm not in the big leagues right now. I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not standing on the stage. I'm not a worship leader. People aren't watching me. They're not following me along. I just like a Christian. And so I don't have to keep my eye on the ball as much as maybe somebody else does. And the Spirit of God is wanting to say what he's trying to convey is, Jesse, your spiritual walk with me, the Lord is saying, is just important as Jake's spiritual walk with me. And so what the Spirit of God is trying to say is, I want everybody back in training so that we can all continue to be the players on the field that God has called us to be. Why? Because your life, listen, I don't live in your life. I don't know your friends. I don't know your family. I don't work at your job. So those places that you go and you find yourself is your playing field where the Spirit of God wants to work through you to bring his life and love, healing and hope to those people. Man, I'm really worked out for some reason. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about training day. So the off-season, at the end of the off-season, they usually have training camp or they have camp. And in baseball, it's usually, I think, in spring, and everybody gets together, and they all come back. And this is a time when maybe players have been traded between teams, and they all come, and they're joining their new team, or maybe they've just slacked off, and they haven't practiced the way they should in the off-season, and they, they have to come back and start hitting balls again and start throwing balls again. they got to start running around those bases because they got to burn off all that fat from all those cheeseburgers and pizza they were eating. They got to get back in shape to get ready to play the game that they are paid so highly to play, right? Listen, for many of us, God is calling us out of from living in the world where we have maybe gotten spiritually fat, where we have, we have put things on, we have put clothes on, we have put vests on, we have put weights on us that we should not be walking around carrying. We've put mindsets up here that we've allowed to stay. We've allowed hurts and wounds. We've allowed offenses to stay in our heart. And there's these things inside of us that God says, listen, it's time to go back to training. It's time to get serious about the kingdom. It's time to get serious about the things that God has called us to do. And so I'm going to put you back into training so that we can begin to work these things off. You can begin to sweat them off. Jen gave me two thumbs up, so we're still going. Training is, is not usually fun. Who's ever trained here for anything? Put your hands up really high so everybody can see. Okay, with everybody with their hands up, like, like, has anybody really found it like just a joy? <laughs> Listen, yes, I think, I think probably there is an aspect of joy to it where you're like, I like this. This is fun. I like pushing myself. Me and Rich work out of the gym, and one of the things that I do enjoy about working with Rich is that it, it causes me, because Rich is smaller than I am, and so it causes me to, that's what you get. It causes me, it causes me, when I work out with Rich, it causes me to push myself beyond my boundaries. It causes me to push myself beyond what I naturally think I'm capable or can do on my own. And so it pushes me. And while 
oh, it's not fun. While you're sitting there pushing around heavy weights, you're like, this really hurts and I don't love it. But there is a thing that you do love. There's a part of it that you do love. And so I understand that. But by and large, training is a lot of work. There's a lot of sweat. There's a lot of tears sometimes. You're crying. You're like, why am I doing this? If you're a runner, you know, if you go running, sometimes you get out there on the road and you like say, I'm going to go run 10K. I'm going to go run 15K. I'm going to go run a half marathon. And somewhere along the line, you get halfway, halfway done your long run and you say, why am I out here? But the problem is, is you're so far from home, you got to keep running so you can get back. And so you might find yourself crying. I hate this so much. But if I stop running, that means I have to walk home. So training is hard. But training is not bad. Training is not bad, guys. Training is necessary for you to become whatever it is you feel like you want to become. So if you're a runner... You have to train. If you're a runner and you say, I want to run a marathon, well, you've got to put in the hard work. You've got to push through all the hard training so that you can run that marathon. If, if you go to the gym and say, I want to lift weights, and, and my goal is I want to lift this much weight, then that means you've got to go through the, all the steps required, all the hard pain. You've got to get the calluses on your hand. You've got to sweat it out. You've got to go to the gym over and over and, over and push through all that stuff until you accomplish that goal. If you say, I want to be a professional basketball player or I want to be this or that, whatever it is, it requires dedication and training to your craft so that you reach the goal that you have set for yourself. So training is not bad. It's just discipline in your life. Are you tracking with me? Hebrews chapter 12 talks about discipline. And we're going to read through this passage of Scripture. And, and listen, in the 9 o'clock service, when we started talking about this passage of Scripture and started reading the big D word, discipline, it got awfully quiet in here. Didn't it? Yeah. Discipline. Guys, discipline is not only not bad, it's necessary. One of the things that I like about working out is the discipline it requires for me. And as you train yourself in any kind of discipline, whatever it is, you find that that discipline spills over into the rest of your life. And so we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where the writer of Hebrews talks about discipline and about the Lord disciplining us. And it's because God wants to work in you and God wants to work through you and it's because he loves you. Not because he's mad at you. Not because he doesn't like you. Not because he wants to punish you like a redheaded stepchild was a saying that I always heard growing up. There was two sayings I always heard growing up from my family in the South. And, and one was, I'm going to beat you like a redded mule. Not that somebody was saying that to me. It was just an expression. Nobody ever said that to me, just to be clear. Or like a redheaded stepchild. And many people take, take the... The idea of God disciplining us as a sign of judgment, as a sign of punishment, and it's going to be pain on us, where God wants to inflict pain on us. 
And we're going to look at this together, and I'm going to break down that wall so that you realize what God's discipline really is and really looks like. Okay? Yep, come on. You got to come up here. Well, they can't hear you. I think sometimes, too, we can take it as rejection, you know, when it's actually the opposite, where the, where the world or if you've been disciplined negatively, you can view it as rejection. But then God's redeemed that, right? Because he's a good, good father. Because he says he disciplines us as we're his children. Because then we're not illegitimate. Amen? That's a good thought. Many times we do take discipline. If somebody disciplines you as rejection. And it's because we filter them through our own natural experiences. Right? So, so how our own parents maybe disciplined us. How our own natural father uh, disciplined us. Whatever those things are, we tend to filter our heavenly father through those same experiences. And it's important to, to realize that our heavenly father has love in our best interest at heart as opposed to just punishment. God's discipline is not just I'm going to give you a spanking because you did wrong or I'm gonna ground you, or you're in big trouble, so I'm gonna punish you. God's discipline is always for your betterment because he loves you and he cares for you. So let's read this together. And uh, I want you to participate along with me. So every time, every time I read the word discipline, I want you to count out loud what number that is. So if I read it like once, you're gonna say one. If I read it a second time, you're gonna say two. So we're counting along, you understand? I, I know that crowd participation can be hard, uh, very hard at times, but we're going to do this together, and it's important because I want you to see how many times the writer in this passage of scripture in the next seven-ish verses uses the word discipline, okay? And then we're going to go back and look what the word discipline actually is. So, you ready to go? Okay, verse 5, chapter 12, says this, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one as he accepts his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline... You, as he does all of his kids, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his kids at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of, our father, of, of the father of our spirits and live forever? Verse 10 says, for our earthly father disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Isn't that the truth? It's painful, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Ten times the writer uses the word discipline, talking about the Lord loving us, wanting the best for us, and so because he does, 
He disciplines us. He works in our life to discipline. Now, here's the question, and here's what's really important. What is this discipline that the writer is talking about? Because I can tell by the folded arms and the long stares on your face that many of you think that God is talking about giving you a spanking, that you did wrong, and God's in heaven, and he wants to give you a spanking. But it goes much further than that, and that's not even a good picture of what's really being talked about. So, this word discipline, every time it's mentioned in these, in these verses, this is what the word discipline in the Greek actually means. It's the Greek word padea, and it means tutorage. That is education or training. By implication, disciplinary correction. Chastening, chastisement, or instruction, and nurture. Then there's a guy named Spiros Adiotis, and he is a uh, Greek guy that breaks down the words for us even further than Strong's Concordance. And Spiro's Adiotis says this. It goes on and says, to instruct, originally instruction of children was the idea of what discipline meant, was instruction. It evolved to meaning this, chastening because all effectual instruction for the, for the sinful children of men includes and implies chastening or correction. So really, at the very crux of this word discipline is the idea of training, is the idea of teaching, and is the idea of instructing. So when you read through this passage of Scripture, what he's really saying is, uh, my child, don't make light of the Lord's teaching. Don't make light of the Lord's instruction. Don't make light of the Lord's training because he's trying to work in you. So the discipline that it talks about, it says here that it originally meant to instruct kids and it evolved over time to encompass the discipline that comes along with training a child up in the way that he should go. Because sometimes kids need a little spat, a little, 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 little help along the way, don't they? Listen, Proverbs talks about how folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. You, your kids don't need help knowing or learning how to do wrong, do they? What they need help is what they need instruction in, what they need training in is to learn how to follow the Lord because it's already in their hearts to do things they shouldn't do. It's already, even from the little, like we see little Avea running around, we see little toddlers and already at this age, doesn't Avea already tell you no? Excuse me? No. And she says it so sweetly. She's got little blonde pigtails. And when she says no to you, you almost want to smile. Like, oh, she's so cute. I imagine Elliot tells you no. And he's, is he two yet? He's two. See, they don't need help knowing how to disobey and to do wrong. They need training. They need instruction to know how to do right. And so the Lord loves you. And listen, you love Elliot, don't you? Like with your whole heart, all the you want the best for Elliot. You want him to grow up and be all God's called him to be. You want him to grow up and go do great, amazing things, don't you? And so because you love him, because you have his best interest at heart, because you want to see him become all that God has called him to be, then it's, it's on you to instruct and to train and educate him so that he learns to become all that God's called to be through discipline. 
Guys, on the count of three, let's just say the word discipline all together and just, let's just say it out loud. Let's break the power of discipline, the fear of that word. One, two, and I want you to say it like you really, like you really believe that God loves you and wants to discipline you. One, two, like deep down inside of you. I don't want no half hour. That's the plan. I want to say it. One, two, three. Discipline. Oh, that was good. As always, I thought we would take this out of the Greek and look up what Noah Webster said because he's so great and he's so kind to us and he gives us great meanings of words. Noah Webster said this about discipline. Discipline means to instruct or educate, to inform the mind, to prepare by instructing incorrect principles and habits. As to discipline youth for a profession or for future usefulness. Wow. Discipline is used in your life to prepare you for future usefulness. So when God comes into your life and he wants to discipline you, it's not because he's mad at you and he wants to take out his anger on you and you just deserve a good old-fashioned spanking. It's because God wants to prepare you in his kingdom for future usefulness. And so that requires at times that you go back to training day, that you go back to training camp. And maybe you got spiritually fat and you were roaming around and you were going to all the best pizza joints and you ate every cheeseburger you could find, and now it's time to get back in the game, and it's time for you to start running around the bases. And you find that as you're running the bases, you're a little wheezy, and you're a little out of breath, and you get to first base, and you say, am I only at first base? Because I'm breathing like this. And you still have two more bases to go. Well, three if you encounter home place. And so God wants to come into your life and take you back to training day so that he can begin to remove things that you've allowed to get into your heart and into your mind and into your life so that you can become and be again the person that he's called you to be. And here's the thing about training day. Here's the thing about training camp. There are no shortcuts. We live in a day and an age where everybody is after, give it to me quick and give it to me now and tell me how fast I can have it. I need money now. I need food now. I need understanding now. I need something and I need it right now. We've lost the art of walking through life at the speed and the pace of God so that he can teach us what needs to be taught in the moment. There's no shortcuts. If you really, listen, they, ta- they, say, they, ta- they say it takes 10,000 hours to become a professional at anything. 10,000 hours. You can't shortcut that. If I want to be really good at guitar, I got to sit down and practice scales and chords and notes for 10,000 hours. If you want to go and and do whatever it is you want to do and you become a professional. I want to be a professional basketball player. you got to stand there and shot after shot. When everybody else has gone home, you go to your driveway, you put out your net, and you sit there, and you just sink free throw after free throw after free throw after free throw. And you start off by watching them bounce off the backboard, and they hit the rim, and they're flying across the street. But you keep at it because you know if I just keep doing this, I'm going to figure it out sooner or later. There's no shortcuts to get you to where God wants you to go. Sometimes you're going to have to walk through and walk the long way around so that God can work in you the way that he really wants to. Because if you shortcut the process, not everything that can happen can happen. 
Let's go to Malachi, whom I like to call the Italian prophet. It's the last book of the Bible. I'm going to tell you a secret that the whole first service knows. In the last service, I told everybody to go to the book of Malachi. And then I promptly began to read chapter 3 of Matthew. And everybody just let me read it until after like two verses, I finally said, this is the wrong chapter. And I said, this is the wrong book. So we're actually going to read Malachi chapter 3. I hope you are hearing what the Spirit of God is trying to say today. Because it's a day and an age where the world around you needs people who are serious about the relationship with Jesus. Who, when they are on the field, when they are in the ball game, that their eye is truly on the ball game. Where they are listening to the voice of God. Where they're trying to see and follow where God is leading and instructing them to go. That that they don't allow themselves to get spiritually fat or, or spiritually sick and weighed down with the cares and the weight of this world, but they allow God through a process of his discipline, of his instruction and his training and his teaching, where they allow him to continually work in their lives so that at the moment's notice, they are prepared and ready to run all those bases, or they are prepared and ready to run from home plate to the very center field and back again if they have to without collapsing and dying because they don't have the stamina and the strength to do it. So God is wanting his children to come back to a place where they are trained and ready to go and be who God's called them to be. What does that look like? How does that begin? It begins with you just passionately seeking the Lord, being sincere with him, being real, being honest, taking time with him, reading your Bible, talking to him. You can't text the Lord, but you can talk to him at any time, anywhere, in any place. Malachi chapter 3, this is the last communication before we had the 400 years of silence in the New Testament and Jesus arrives. Malachi chapter 3, I want to show you something in verses 2 and 3 here. It says, who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Verse 2, I want to point out two quick things to you. Right here it says, for he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal. Many times when you hear the phrase blazing fire, your mind immediately goes to destruction. You immediately think of what a fire, a blazing fire will do, how it decimates anything in its path, how it brings ruin, how it brings destruction. And those are our first thoughts. But here we're told that he is a blazing fire that refines God wants to come into our lives and work inside of you in a way that refines you, that burns out the junk inside of you. Because we all have junk 
floating around inside of us. We live in a world that is constantly working to pollute us, that is constantly working to make us spiritually fat and lazy. And God wants to come along in our lives and burn that junk out so that you are pure in him. Then it goes on and it uses another analogy that I just love because I had this thought as I was thinking about it. And it says, or, here's another picture he says, or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. And I immediately thought about bleaching clothes. Who's ever bleached a pair of clothes before? Like, have you ever bleached like your favorite thing? And immediately you say to yourself, this is ruined, don't you? When you bleach something, you're like, oh, it's ruined. I've destroyed it. This is good for nothing now. I have taken what, something I loved, one of my favorite things, Karen's wonderful orange shirt, jacket thing, and she got bleach all over it. Karen would say to herself, I can't wear this anymore because my vibrant orange, peachy, whatever color that is, whatever, I'm a man, don't blame me, whatever color this thing is, if it had like a big spray of bleach across the front, she would say to herself, this is ruined. It's good for nothing now. I might as well throw it away. I might as well give it to the dog to play with. I might as well cut it up and use it for a rag because it has been destroyed. Isn't that how we think of bleach? But look what the Lord says about it. He says, I'm going to come into your life like a laundry soap, like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. And I was thinking about that, and our mindset is that bleach destroys, but the mindset of God is that he wants to come in, and we live in a world that is constantly coloring us and making us look like what it wants us to look like, or we even come along and take things and smear them on ourselves and say, I want to be like this. I want to look like this color. I want to color myself this way. But what God is saying is, I want to come into your life like a launderer's soap and bleach it. And what is that bleaching doing? That bleaching is doing nothing more than restoring the cotton to its natural color and state. We see that as destruction. God sees that as purifying. Let me take what you have and what you've colored up and what you've allowed the the world to design and say you should look like. Let me come work in your life like a strong laundry soap and let me take what is and what you've allowed it to become and let me return it back to the state which I desire it to be at. Let me make it natural and holy and righteous again. Stand up with me. Jesus, 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 close your eyes with me. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful that you love us enough, that you care about us enough, that you work in our lives that you discipline us because you have our best interests at heart. We're so thankful that you don't discipline us because you don't like us or because you're mad at us, but because you want your plans and purposes to prevail. 
And Father, I thank you that you're doing a work inside of us that only you can do. That as we go to training camp, that you begin to point out inside of us the colors of the world that we're wearing that you want to bleach back to your colors, that you want to restore to its original, righteous, holy place. And I want to pray with you this. I want you to repeat this after me if if you recognize that maybe you have shunned away from the Lord's discipline in your life. Where when he comes to you and tries to teach you and he tries to instruct you, or maybe he even does try to discipline you, but you close your eyes and say, nah, 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 I can't hear you, and you run away. But you're saying to yourself today, I recognize that I need God's discipline, that I need God's instruction in my life so that I can go the distance, so that I can be who he's called me to be. If you want to allow the Lord to work in your life in any way that he wants to, I want you to repeat this after me. Father, I say have your way in every area of my life. If you want to discipline me, if you want to instruct me, if you want to teach me, and you want to guide me, and you want to lead me, I want you to. I welcome it into my life. I say, say what only you can say. Come on, now say it like you mean it. Don't repeat that part, I'm just talking to you. Say what only you can say. Reveal what only you can reveal. Work in me like only you can work. I surrender all to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, amen. We're gonna sing this song in just a second, but before we do, I wanna remind you of something. The Lord is a gentleman and he will never force you to surrender yourself to him. He's never gonna get you in a wrestling match and pin you down and say, you have to do what I say. What he's looking for is people that will say, I surrender to you. I, I say, have your way. I say, you can say in me and you can do in me what you want to do. That's what he's looking for. So as we sing this last song together, in a moment of surrender, just from your own heart to the Lord, tell him that you surrender to him. If you mean it. And if you want to surrender. Because that's what he's looking for. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. 
If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.